0: when the sun is rising, another day to to tell the boys God, we will give you praise in this grave and we give you praise Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. If you're going through something this morning, lay it at this feet today. Hallelujah. Lord. We believe Jesus. You are the way, the truth, and the life.
1: Speak your name today. We thank you that you have the name that is really above every other name that ever was or ever will be. Lord, your name is power, might, and strength. In your name is salvation, in your name is eternity. Lord, you are everything. And we recognize your greatness today. Praise the Lord. Honor to you, Lord. Honor to you. Lord, we say all these things again in the mighty, wonderful name of Jesus. And everyone said together, Amen. 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 It is so good to see you this morning. Let's take a few moments and just spend some time greeting each other. God bless you. Well, good morning. It is so good to see each one of you. You look marvelous. And those from the 80s would recognize that. You look great. Uh, If you're our guest today, if you could do something for us. There's a connect card in front of you in the seat back in front of you. If you could fill that out. And at the conclusion of our worship service, when you're heading out, we have a gift for you. Our guest services desk, people are there, super friendly. Hand them the card. They will hand you a gift, a mug, and maybe shake your hand, give you money for lunch. I don't know what they're going to do, but it's going to be amazing. So if you could do that after, that would be fantastic. We would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Ushers, if you could come, we want to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Lord, thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to give. Lord, uh, again, as I've said in the past, we, we really most reflect you when we're giving of ourselves and of our resources, because that's who you are, God. You are God that continually gives. Lord, you, you give rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. Lord, you gave your son. Lord, you constantly give, and we want to reflect you uh, during these moments of giving. We love you and say thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. you have your bulletin, take it in your hand and look along with me. That always gets imprinted in your brain even more. Ladies' warning Out is happening this Thursday, the 18th at 10 a.m. at Cracker Barrel in Elkton. Ladies that are able to make that, make sure you make note of that opportunity. Men's Breakfast will be going on just two days after that, and it'll be happening over here in our cafe. We're excited about that. We're continuing our series with Tony Evans No more going through the motions, and so that'll begin at 8 a.m. this coming Saturday. Make sure, men, come on out, bring your sons with you, bring a friend from work, bring a person walking on the street, just bring them in, and uh, we'll have a great morning uh, together on the 20th. Uh, Lego Derby, and I was just actually uh, talking to Dwight for a couple minutes this morning, That that is coming upon us quickly, but that's happening on the 3rd. Make sure that you get all the information you need to get registered. Uh, Bases and kits are $9. You can see some of the details, the age groups there. That is always an excellent time. Make sure you show up for that, but don't just show up on the 3rd. Make sure you do your registration things ahead of time so you can be prepared for that day on the Lego Derby. Uh, We have some save-the-date things. We have winter retreat. Uh, Parents, you know that on the uh, Sunday the 4th, the balance is due for that. That's always, I would say always, we just did it first time last year, but it's going to be another great weekend uh, coming up the 9th through the 11th of February. We have youth camp coming up, that's June 17th through the 21st, make sure you're aware of that, and VBS happening on the 24th of June through the 27th of June, and then kids camp. And uh, I'm just going to, a plug for, I mean, we obviously plug Youth Camp, and that's fantastic. Let me give a plug for Kids Camp, uh, because I have, uh, even when I was working at Teen Challenge, when I moved to this area from Kansas, we moved from Massachusetts to Kansas, back to to Pennsylvania, um, I I tried to go every year that I could, even when I was pastoring a church, and uh, you want your kids that have completed second grade up through just completing sixth grade and that 's the kids camp realm. These are pivotal years and going to kids camp is really a powerful opportunity that they have that 's unlike any other opportunity to be able to experience friendship and most important a uh, relationship with jesus that it 's just hard to replicate in just everyday life. so if you have a child or a grandchild in that in that age group. Really consider it. Uh, It's a great camp, great facility. We have a great staff here that takes them. And so please, 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 please put that on your calendar. Make sure you make that happen for them because everybody knows if you don't make it happen for your young kids, it's not going to happen for them. So make it happen. And I I feel like I want to introduce Pastor this morning. He introduces me, you know, preaching out of Springfield, Massachusetts, a family of five and a svelte 201 pounds. Pastor Michael Petrucci, come. (laughs) Come. Thanks for the introduction. Oh boy. I'll tell you what, I like to save
2: the dates that are in the uh, bulletin. June, July, you're talking my language. I can't believe it. We're halfway. We're just about halfway through January. It's only the second Sunday. You know, we, we kicked off Back to Basics last week, and that was all about Bible reading. Hopefully you're Still trying to work your way through the Bible, or doing some kind of Bible reading plan with you Version, whether it be digital or paper that was handed out at the first before the first of the year, December thirty-one. Um, today we're going to jump into back to basics, talking about prayer. Um, we three pastors are going to continue through this well, for the next couple of months, um, talking about the fundamentals of Christianity, like Bible reading, prayer, fellowship. Will be next week. Um, giving, worship discipleship there's so much that we need to be reminded about and taken back all the things that are rudimentary to our christian faith and the things that'll help to make us spiritually healthy and so um, hopefully it'll help the winter go by quickly that's it'll build us up and get us into springtime but i do want to speak to you today about the topic of prayer prayer is always a good topic for the start of a new year Uh, in any church it should be anyways And the very first thing I want to do is to tell you this morning that as much as prayer has us operating or functioning, or it has us involved in an unseen world, when we're praying, we're involved in an unseen world, it is nonetheless extremely practical. It is as practical as it is mystical. And I really want to do justice to both sides of that that concept This morning, both aspects of prayer, because you see, when we pray, we set into motion a process that is most often unseen. It's real, but it's invisible to human sight. Now, the results, of course, are manifested, and we see those, we we experience those, we enjoy those. Again, the results of prayer we see, but the process of prayer is beyond our cognitive abilities, it's beyond our physical senses. And I love this because this is where faith comes in. Faith holds us in place until we receive the reality of what we've asked for. Faith keeps us steady. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Faith has to do with what we don't see. And that's where prayer is that reality. It's it's faith. Faith is seeing without seeing. Faith is knowing without knowing. And because it's this way, we tend to think of it as being mystical. But again, I want to balance this out. Prayer is not just a mystical thing or a mystical tool. It is just as equally practical. It's meant to be that way. And I hope that makes sense to you. And I'm going to do my very best this morning to prove it to you so that you will be more likely to pray. That's why we're covering these basics, because we want you to be more likely and to enjoy Bible reading. We want you to be more likely to really pray. Uh, Next week in fellowship, we want you to want to gather with each other, whether it's in a church setting or a Bible study or even just eating. The true word of fellowshipping has to do with eating. And we do a lot of that, don't we, as Christians? But anyways, back to prayer. I want you to be better able to see the real purpose of prayer. Because I really believe that prayer has been overcomplicated over the years. The, The teachings about prayer. It's been taught about. It's been written about in so many books and preached and taught in lectures to the point where it really has become incredibly and overcomplicated in the minds of most Christians. To the point where it's become little more, and when it becomes, when it when it grows that big and it gets all that messy, it becomes a, an exercise in futility for most believers. And as a result, when something becomes futile, we don't, we just don't want to do it. We don't want it. We don't even want to pray. Prayer has been so much maligned, and so misunderstood that it really, for a lot of Christians, I think it's become a very difficult thing. I think that it's become drudgery and frustration. At least that's my observation. And over the years since I first became a believer, a Christ follower, there have been so many teachers, so many authors, again, so many books, so many seminars, and each one representing some specific unique aspect to prayer. Because we are who we are, we love formulas. And when someone presents us a neat little package, boy, we want to lock in on it. We want to make it work for us. And that's exactly what these authors do and these speakers try to do. And I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to try to avoid that as much as I can. And I just, but I, because I just believe that all these different teachings have created a problem. And here's the root of the problem. When people teach or preach or write a book on prayer, they usually lose sight of one very simple truth. And here it is. This is what I want you to remember today. The power of prayer is not found in the one who says it. That power is not in you. It's not in the way that you say it. It's not in your technique. It's not wrapped up in a formula. But it's in the power is in the one who hears it. Should have been a lot of amens. I mean, it's even up there in the screen. I really want you to remember that. And again, they certainly, people have sold a lot of books over the years. Because again, we're always, we think that prayer is something that every Christian is supposed to be an expert in and that we're supposed to be successful in. And so over the past 40, 50 years that I've known the Lord, there have been a lot of people who have presented magical and mystical formulas for prayer. Formulas that propose how to get what you want and then others that try to explain why and where you have failed when we don't. And in that process... Prayer has become a thing that is hyper-mystical to the point where true, only, we, we start to believe only true mystics can have success when they pray. Only people who would try to convince us, that they, I mean, they've got a special hotline to heaven and they're the only ones who can get the job done and the rest of just, well, I'm, why bother? But here's what I've learned in the past several months of giving this topic some ser- serious thought. I mean, I didn't just put this message together yesterday. I've been thinking about it, praying about it, First of all, let's remember that prayer is in its very simplest form. Prayer is basic communication. Prayer is talking to God. Do we really need to modify that? Talking to God. I'm talking to you. I can talk this way. Or after church, we can talk out in the, in the lobby. And we'll talk a little different. It'll be, it'll be a dialogue instead of a monologue. It's just talking to God. It's communication. And there, there are no formulas for how to be successful in talking to God except to be honest with him. Now, you wouldn't lie to God, would you? I mean, come on, that'd be really, that'd be really hard to do, wouldn't it? But if you want intimacy with someone, anyone, you have to be open and honest, don't you? If you desire intimacy, if you want to be close to God, you have to be open and honest with him. And yet the mystics over the years have expounded upon all the reasons that we don't get answers to our prayer because we're not praying in Jesus name because we're not praying in faith because we're, you know, we're not, we're not doing, we didn't do this right. We didn't do that right. But here's what the word says as to why we don't. I just want to get this one out of the way. I want you to know why and when you're not going to get your prayers answered. Okay. The word, the word of God gives us two, two reasons, only two reasons for failed prayer in scripture. One is found in 1 Peter three, seven, and it only applies to married men. So if you're single guys, you're off the hook. 1 Peter 3, 7, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she's smarter than you are. No, she may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be not hindered. That's a New Living Translation. So that your prayers will not be hindered. Guys, how do I say this? Mixed crowd. I mean, be in good terms with your bride. And your prayers will get answered. Otherwise, you're in trouble. Don't even even bother talking to God. (laughs) That's pretty clear. Okay, he's not going to hear you. The other reference is James chapter 4. And we all know this one. And I love this one. James 4 verse 1, 2, and 3. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, meaning carnal human desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, and so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you don't ask God. You know, hoping and wishing is not the same as praying. Verse 3, when you ask, okay, so first off, you miss out when you don't ask God. Secondly, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. And so there's two very simple reasons for prayer that fails. First, you won't get if you don't ask. You know, that's not very profound, but it's in God's word. Then secondly, you don't receive from God because you want to use the reward of your prayer on your own selfish pleasure. And you know, besides these two, I don't know of any other reason in Scripture. For why our prayers don't get answered. And I don't want some man. Some preacher. Anywhere in time. Telling me. That the reason that I didn't get my. Because I, I, lacked, I lacked faith. I didn't trust Jesus. I didn't. Don't, don't tell me that. Because the reality is. When I read the whole counsel of God. The reality is. That every prayer gets answered. Other than those two references. That I mentioned. Every prayer gets answered. Even when we might Think. That our prayer has not been answered. I believe that every prayer does in fact get answered. Just possibly not the answer that we wanted. And the pa- I'm going to start preaching over this direction. This is great. I like that. Thank you. And the passage that I, I think really expresses this is, is Daniel chapter 10. I love Daniel chapter 10 verse 1 through 14. Let's look at this together. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips. I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up. And there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it. But such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. They didn't see this, but they felt fear. They felt awe. And so, verse 8, so I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. And then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you. And stand up, for I have, I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. And then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. From the first day that you uttered that prayer, your words were heard. And I've come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. And then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. And now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time that's yet to come. Now, here's what I want you to notice here from these verses. Notice verse 12. It says, since the first day that you set your mind, as I already told you, from the first day that Daniel prayed and asked God for understanding, he humbled himself before the Lord. He says, your words were heard. God heard your prayers and I've come in response to them. This is some angelic visitor that's come to him. He's awesome. I mean, to the point where, where, where he, it almost sounds like he, he passed out in front of me, fainted in front of him, face down on the ground. And he's told to stand up. And even when he stands up, he's weak-kneed and he's trembling. And, and he tells, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm here because I'm the answer to your prayer. I'm going to tell you what God has to say to you. That single verse, this 12th verse we just read, indicates to us that God heard Daniel's prayer immediately and he answered it immediately. The problem was, and it's told to us here, that there was a spiritual hindrance whereby the angel who was delivering the message, the answer, was opposed for three weeks. This same three-week period, Daniel prayed, and, and Daniel fasted, he, he's praying, he's, he's restraining, he's keeping away from certain foods, he's humbling himself before God because he wants, he desperately wants to hear from God. And in the three weeks that he is fasting in this way, there's a battle going on. There's there's a struggle against spiritual opposition until we're told that that a greater archangel, Michael, was able to set this other angel free. And we all know, come on guys, we all know that there are battles in the heavenlies. We know that there are battles in this unseen world around us. There are things taking place right now. I mean, they could be just outside these walls or maybe here right now and we don't see them the process is unseen the manifestation we always we always see those results because that's what we're praying for and i just want you to know too by the way the english word for angel in the biblical greek is angelos which literally translates as messenger an angel among other things is a messenger it, it, it's, it's the way that God delivers his word, message messages. And so I think we can safely teach that sometimes answers to our prayers can be delayed because of an unseen spiritual conflict. It's not because God didn't respond. Not because God didn't hear you. Not because God's playing games with you and being facetious or, or capricious. There can be an unseen battle that's taking place. All the more reason for us to pray. For us to go to God and say, Lord, I need to know. And of course, he knows you need to know. And there's another likelihood that we need to consider concerning the practice of prayer. And this one, we simply have to accept that explanation. Okay, sometimes there is this unseen battle. But sometimes when we talk to God and we talk with God, we we, we expect an answer. And by the way, um, let me just state emphatically that not all conversation requires a response. Sometimes prayer can mean just sitting and listening, just just sitting in his presence. It doesn't always need a response. But when we have asked God for something, there are only three possible responses. The most desired one, of course, is yes. Lord, can I do this? Lord, is this your will? Lord, will you do this for me? And he can say yes. He can say yes. That's someone that's... We love to get our way. We want God to say yes to all of our requests. No one likes to hear a no. We all want him to approve our petitions. But along with a yes on the other side of the scale, sometimes God says no. Will you admit that? Sometimes he said no to you. And it's okay. It's not, it's not, this, isn't, this isn't you trying to match wits with the creator of this universe. You're, you're not going to try to argue him into your will. Sometimes he says no. And we simply have to believe that it really is his will and that it's good. Because he only wants good for us. You know, I mean, it tells us about, you know, you, your earthly fathers, though you're evil, you know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more are your father in heaven? So when he says no to me, I've got to accept that that is a good response. No one likes to hear a no. Pretty obvious. I mean, God can say yes, he can say no. You know, and, but, you know, I, I really, the most dreaded response from God Is when he says wait. Really. Just even. Remember when you were a child. Remember growing up. Ask your mom or dad for something. I'll I'll think about it. No. Just just tell me yes or tell me no. Okay. Because I've got other options. I can be other places. I can do other things. Just yes or no. Maybe later. Maybe later. Which means wait. I mean just admit it. We don't like waiting. We don't like being put on hold. You know, we, we, we just don't like waiting. We don't like uncertainty. We don't like waiting in line. We don't like waiting in traffic. We don't like waiting in line in a retail store. We don't like, we don't like being put on hold when we're on a phone call. Our microwave ovens are not even fast enough today. Trust me, that's personal experience. I have a hot drink. I nuke it for one minute. And I'm like, I'm, no, really. It's like, are you serious? A minute. And some of the streaming services, you know, I got the like cheapest, cheapest Hulu in the world. It's got ads. Now, they're not TV ads. They're not five to eight minutes. It's like a minute and a half. And he's like, oh, my. I can literally at night just go to sleep during that ad and miss the whole rest of the. No, really microwave ovens. We need to face that fact that there's going to be three possible answers every time we pray, every time we ask, ask God for something. And it could be a yes, it could be a no, it could be a wait. And, you know, again, if, if you have been a kid, <laughs> that's everybody in this room, your parents have done it to you. And if you're a parent, you've done it to your children. But again, our Heavenly Father loves to give good things to us. It's got to be in his perfect timing. It's not just about his perfect will. It's his perfect timing. So let's not be surprised when God tells us no or God tells us to wait. Amen? Amen. They, had, they had their chance, John. They... <laughs> Don't, here, here's, here's what I'm saying. Don't try to figure out prayer. Instead, just pray. Don't waste your time trying to figure it out. Just pray. Just talk to God. And what is prayer? As I began this morning, basic, it's basically communication is talking to God. So scripture does teach us that there are different kinds of prayers too. So again, don't try to figure it out. Don't worry. Don't go buy any books about formulas for prayer. No one has, I'm telling you, I mean, somebody, some people, others may have good insight that can be helpful, but no one has a secret pathway to getting prayers answered. I just, I'm going to publicly state that. You need something. You need to talk to God. Okay. As a child. If I needed something from my parents. I would have to talk to them and ask them. But there are different kinds of prayer. And I want to talk about that this morning. The Apostle Paul. Obviously he also describes a spiritual battle. That's all around us. He taught the Ephesians. That we sometimes get engaged in an unseen spiritual warfare. And we need to know. That is taking place. We need to believe that it does, it does happen. And in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 through 13. He talks about this. Listen to this. He says finally be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The conflicts that we go through. Many of them during the day. Have nothing to do with flesh and blood. They're, they've got spiritual roots. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand. Okay. So he tells us that there's this unseen world. There's unseen conflict. It can manifest at our level. But we need to realize its origins, and that's where we need to do our work in prayer. And then after that, after the 13th verse, he, clo- he, he kind of closes it out in verse 18, says something very interesting. I mean, these, this is a very interesting instruction. Verse 18, Ephesians 6, 18, he said, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray in the Spirit and pray with all kinds of prayer." Pray in the spirit and pray with all kinds of prayer. Let me give you a list of a few of the various kinds of prayer. Okay. Four distinctly different kinds of prayer. Adoration. Confession. Thanksgiving. Oh. And supplication. And I just want to point out. Do you see the little acronym on the side? Acts. Like the book of Acts. I'm just trying to be clever. It's not a formula though. I'm not giving you a formula. Just an acronym. Adoration. What is adoration? Very simple. It's, it's veneration. It's giving honor where honor is due. And at its very core, it's worship. But I didn't put worship up there because it would ruin the acronym. Okay? It's adoration. So when we, are, when we worship, that's a type of prayer. If we're worshiping the only person worthy of worship, then we're talking to God and telling him how good he is. How righteous he is. How faithful he is. That's how we worship him. We're telling him that we love him. And that we want to be close to him. I mean that's adoration. That's worship. And we can do it in our everyday language. We don't need to use King's James ver- ver- verbiage. Just being honest to God about our feelings. You know I just thought God I love you. I love you. You're tremendous. You're wonderful. You're beyond. I mean, you're just, you're just incredible. We're communicating with God from our hearts, and we're telling him how much we love and adore him. Adoration. And then the second type of prayer is confession. That's, again, it's another type of prayer. In, in any earthly relationship, we sometimes need to admit that we, that we have done wrong or are wrong, right? Every married man said, amen. And. We also need to sometimes tell God that we're sorry. Very simply, we're not supposed to live in guilt. A man who hides his sin will not prosper, the Bible says. So we just go to God and we say, Father, forgive me. Cleanse me. Help me make this relationship right. We're not supposed to live in guilt. We're supposed to desire right relationships with everyone, especially those whom we're closest to. And confession restores our relationship with God. And so there should be times in our prayers when we confess and we ask God for forgiveness. Amen? Thanksgiving is the third type of prayer. And I have to tell you, that's my favorite. I love telling God how much I appreciate him and all that he does for me on a daily basis. I'm, I mean, guys, you know, I will thank him for the perfect parking spot. I have no problem with that. That's not a wasted prayer. I will thank him. And it happened this week. I had all green lights. I mean, it was incredible. It was incredible. Never happened to me before. Because usually I get like four out of the five. And the fifth one would be a red light. It'd be one of those left turns. And you got to wait for everybody. I mean, all green. It was unbelievable. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. That was really nice of you. I mean, that's how I really feel. I mean, the little things as well as the big things. I love telling God how much I appreciate him. If I were to break down the kind of praying I do by percentage, I'd have to say that 80% of my prayers are this type right here Thanksgiving. That's what I, that's what I do. I, I do that most. I can, because see, he's good all the time. I can trust him all the time with anything. I know who he is. I know he's watching over me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about a thing. Because I know that he's watching over me. It's incredible. And I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for who he is. Who he is in my life. And I'm constantly thanking him for every blessing in my life. And you know compare that or contrast that to the Israelites in the desert. Remember all the grumbling and the murmuring? That's exactly what God hates. But he loves it when we're thankful. And, and folks we need to be grateful and tell them how grateful we are. And then finally, supplication. And I'm glad that this one is last in my ACTS acronym because I never go right to God and ask him for anything. Now, this isn't a strategy that I have that I'm going to butter him up with some adoration. I'm going to make my life just right with him. for I'm not, You know what I mean? It's not, no. The la, I don't, every, he takes care of everything. It's really very rare that I have to go to him and say, hey, you know what? You forgot something this week. I need a little bit more money before the month. Okay? I don't ever have to do that. So it's rare. When I'm asking, when I'm supplicating for someone, excuse me, when I'm supplicating, I'm supplicating for someone. Usually not for myself. I'm praying for someone else's need. That's just the way it goes. God doesn't need a list of needs and wants from us. And by the way, the Merriam-Webster dictionary says that supplication is to ask humbly and earnestly. But the truth is that many Christians only talk to God when they have a need. I don't want to be that guy. I, I, and I, he's, you know, he's, he can take it. He's big enough. But I don't want to be that guy. And again, I, I don't want this to look as though I'm trying to create a formula for prayer. This acronym, ACTS, works for me personally. It's my pattern for talking to God pretty much just this way. And it's not anything I planned. I just sat down, put this message together, and that's kind of what I do. And you don't have to do it, but that's what I do. But those are four components to prayer that you should do. I usually begin with praise. I ask him to cleanse me, make me worthy of being in his presence, and then I give him abundant thanks, and then I ask for him to do something for someone. Well, let's get back to Ephesians 6.18 for a moment. The Apostle Paul wrote, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. So I gave you four kinds of prayers and requests. Okay. And now I want to emphasize to you the need for us to pray in the spirit and what, what all that means. The translation from the New Testament Greek scriptures into English here is really perfect. It really is. It says exactly what, it says exactly what we just read. We are to pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Now, there's one thing I do <clears throat> want to say, which will help all of us get a better understanding. I want you to learn something about the Greek preposition that's translated here. When it says pray in, pre, the preposition is in, I-N, I-N, in. In the Greek, it's epsilon nu, which is e-n. Okay, like it sounds the same. In, n, sounds close. And it can be translated as in or with or by. Okay, so we can read that verse, Ephesians 6, 18. We can read it as pray in the spirit. We can also read it as pray with the spirit. And we can read it as pray by the spirit. That preposition is interchangeable in in all the Greek New Testament. And so what Paul is referring to here, when he says to pray in the spirit, he means to pray in tongues, to pray to your God in your God-given spirit language. And here's where we get reinforcement on this, okay? This same thought. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 13, 14, and 15. Paul writes, For this reason... The one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. And it's talking about group group tongues. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? Well, he says, Paul says, I will pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my understanding. Okay? Do you see what the Holy Spirit is telling us through this passage? That when we pray, we should pray in the spirit, but also pray in our understanding. In other words, we should pray both ways. We should pray in the spirit, and by that he's talking about praying in tongues, as well as praying in our native native tongue. And for me, the value of praying in the spirit is that when I pray in the spirit, with the spirit, by the spirit, if I pray, if I'm praying in the spirit, I will not be limited by my understanding. My mental faculty. Okay? Truthfully, I believe sometimes if we only pray, now you should pray in your native tongue. You should pray in, in, if English is yours. That, that's, but if we only pray in our understanding, I'm afraid sometimes we're limited. When we pray in tongues, our minds have no idea what we're saying. Our minds, he just said, Paul said it. When we pray in tongues, we have no idea what we're praying for. Do you get that? We have no idea. So Paul is telling us to pray with our minds, to pray with our intellect, to pray with our understanding as well. But he makes it clear in these verses that when I use my prayer language, I have no idea what I'm saying. I have no understanding what I'm praying for, but God does because he gave me that language. It's the it's, it's language of men and of angels we read in the book of Acts. I have no idea what I'm saying. I have no understanding of what I'm praying for, but God does. And in verse 14, Paul specifically tells us that when we pray in a tongue, again, our spirit prays and our mind is unfruitful. I just want to repeat that about a dozen times. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. When I pray in a tongue, our, our, my spirit prays, but our mind is unfruitful. And you know what? We don't like doing something we don't understand. We really don't. We love being in control. And you know what? You're not. But you want to believe you're in control. You want to believe you're in control of your life. And you're going to make some, some decisions on your own. And some of them are going to fail. You can make some decisions on your own. And they might be, they might be good. You might, might succeed. But I want you to know something. If you really belong to him your life is and should be in his hands. You don't really have the control. That's that's so imaginary. You know, some people have a fear of flying. You know, I mean, we have not had a plane crash, a commercial airliner go down in America for a long long time. And yet we've got something like 36,000 deaths on our highways. But we all feel so good. We've got control. We've got that wheel in our hands. I mean, those two guys up front, they've been trained Okay, and they're keeping everybody safe statistically, but you know, some people are very nervous. They feel a bump in a plane, and yet I've seen some of you drive. <laughs> yeah, some of you don't drive your car, you aim it, <laughs> but you feel like you're in control. It makes you feel safe, doesn't it? But I'm just, I'm here to tell you, <laughs> you're not in control. You're not in control. You're, you're in control of your behavior, your conduct. And that should be spirit controlled as well. But you were given a free will. But the beauty is when we pray in a tongue, using the gift of tongues, which accompanied our baptism in the Holy Spirit, our minds are unable to restrict us from praying with human understanding. It restricts our mind, keeps our mind out of it. And I love that. And here, let me give you a little more clarity. This is Romans 8, 26 and 27. Paul, again, Paul's the one that's teaching this. And it is the Holy Spirit speaking through him and writing. But in Romans 8, 26 and 27, look at this. In the same way, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, helps us in our weakness. Now, it didn't say weakness is Weakness, meaning our general condition of being weak our general condition of infirmity. As human beings, we're weak. We're infirm. He says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, in our lack, in our finiteness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Isn't that true? We don't know what we ought to pray for. And we also don't know how to pray sometimes. But he says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You want the will of God to be done in your life? Then pray in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with God's will. If we really want to pray according to God's will without our minds getting in the way, then the easiest way to do that is by praying in the Spirit. It's that simple. Paul tells us that we don't know what to pray for. Really, I'll admit that. There are times I really don't know how to pray. I just, here's the situation. And then I've had Christians, well, you just, you know, you can't just pray in the will of God. You know, God, if it be thy will. Hey, you know what? Jesus did. Didn't he pray that way in the Garden of Gethsemane? Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass. We can pray those prayers. But in the end, what did Jesus say? Nonetheless, thy will be done. And I've had some Christians ridicule me for praying that way praying, God, I want your will to be done. Well, you, really? Don't, don't, isn't this really what you want done? No, I'll tell you what. I may have a certain desire, a certain need, a certain want. I really ultimately want God's will. Amen. I'm telling you, amen. Anything less than that. I may, again, I've got this illusion or delusion that I'm in control at times. And I've got this illusion that I know better than God. Even Christians. I'm talking about myself. But you know what I found after all the 50 I've just realized this year will be 50 years having come to Christ for me. His will has always been perfect. I mean, it's always been perfect. I've never been disappointed. I felt disappointment going through that will, but I've never been disappointed. So if we really want to pray according to God's will, and we should, without our minds getting in the way, we pray in the spirit. Paul tells us that we do not know what to pray for. He admits that we're weak. We're finite. We're limited. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We have no idea what the future is. You cannot predict the future. But the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. In this situation, it says in wordless groans. Can you imagine even groans? Never mind unintelligible words in tongues, even groans that just they're not going to make sense to the human understanding. And he reminds us that the Holy Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So the most sure way to pray God's will, I believe, is to pray in the Spirit, meaning to pray in tongues. For those of you who who have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, let me encourage you to pray more often in the Spirit. Don't worry about not understanding it. Doesn't matter. Those aren't wasted words. We're so accustomed to living in a temporal world. We're so comfortable with using our five senses. How about we just slip it out of gear and let God take over? Because clearly, God says that there's another dimension, there's an unseen world, and it can be impacted. Without our need to understand. As I started out this message. I told you the process of prayer is is unseen. The process of prayer is invisible. You may pray. You may pray a day. You may pray a month. You may pray a whole year. And see absolutely no results. That does not mean that God's not working. There may be some natural preparation. that has to take place. Out there according to your need. But it also may be inside you. You may not be ready to marry that other person because you're not ready. Or maybe they're not ready. Or maybe that house isn't ready for you to purchase. Or maybe, you know, whatever you're waiting on. Again, waiting is hard. So prayer is the process and it's an unseen process. And there can be unseen conflict as we read in Daniel. And all I know is, you know, I came to Christ. August 27th, 1974, September 27th, 1974 I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues, and all I know is when I pray in the Spirit, I have no idea, I have no human understanding what I'm praying, but I have to believe that it's effective, and that I'm praying according to His will, because my mind cannot manipulate His will that way. So there's there's some advantage to it. Let me let me just close. I'll give you I'm giving some things to think about this week, but let me close by reading one more time from Ephesians chapter six verse 18. Paul said, and pray in the spirit on all occasions, every occasion. With all kinds of prayers and requests. Let's pray together. And I wonder if we could um, have some music. I, I want us to spend just a few moments at the altar this morning. And maybe if nothing else, some of you can pray in the spirit, in your, in your spirit language. Others of you, or all of us, may want to just pray Acts. We may just want to, where we're seated, maybe at this altar in a moment, just adore him. Just, God, thank you. Thanksgiving. Maybe we need to confess something. Or maybe there's someone you know that's going through a physical struggle or a financial struggle, and you need to stand in for them. Supplication. Any of those modes. But I want us to take this opportunity. I don't want us just to run out to our cars and go get lunch somewhere, but let's stand together right now. And let's find a place of prayer. Come on, guys. Just, this is about prayer this morning. Let's just give a few moments to making this more than just hearing the word. Let's be doers of the word. And just go to him right now. Father God, we just love you. Lord, we love you. We praise you that you are real, that you're in our lives. Lord God, we just praise you that you are the only true God. Jesus Christ, you saved us. You came, you knocked on the door of our heart. Somehow we let you in by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And our lives have never been the same. Lord, I just thank you, God, for moving in our lives. I thank you, Lord, that you're real. Lord, we just love you. We just love you. We just love you for who you are. If you never did another thing for us, God, we, we just love you because you've been so good to us. You are so good. You are so good. You are all good. You're that perfect, loving, heavenly Father. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And Lord God, we just confess our faults to you right now, Lord. We confess all sin. We're going to leave it here right now, Lord, at your feet. God, we confess our sin. We confess our failures. And we ask for your forgiveness, Lord. God, we ask for your forgiveness as as we've entered into this new year, that it truly be a a year that's just blessed by your presence. Lord, that more and more people in our land and our nation would come to you, through us even. Lord, that they'd see something different in us, Lord. I pray that you would cleanse us right now with the blood of Jesus, that you'd forgive us of all sin. Lord, that it wouldn't just be in, in word, but it would be real. It would be in deed. And Lord, we give you thanks for cleansing us, Lord. We give you thanks for loving us. Lord, we give you praise, Lord. You are worthy of our worship. And we just thank you for every blessing. We thank you for this, this great country that we live in. We thank you for the possibility of, of everyday prosperity, of the abundance that we have. God, you've been so good to us. Even the poorest person in this room, God, we are so blessed. You have blessed us so much. You've been so good to us. You've been so patient with us. Lord, we just thank you, Master, for for all that you do for us each and every day, watching over us, keeping us safe, bringing healing to us when we need it. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for providing for us as Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Lord, we thank you that you can even provide things that money can't. Lord, you can provide real peace, deep, lasting peace in our lives, Lord. You can give us a calmness that we can't find anywhere else, nowhere on this planet, but only in your presence. And Lord, right now, God, we intercede for loved ones, Lord. We pray for for the salvation of loved ones right now in the name of Jesus. God, for those that may have been part of this church in the past and have slid away, Lord, and and they need to be brought back, Lord. I pray that you'd bring a quickening to their spirit, that you bring real Holy Spirit conviction, Lord, that they'd realize that they've got a need that is deep. It's a need that only your spirit can satisfy. And Lord, that you'd use us, God. I pray you'd use us to reach out to the lost, reach out to the backslidden. Lord, some of us have family members that need a healing touch. And God, I pray that you bring healing to their bodies right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you bring healing to their finances, Lord. God, I pray, Master, that you would just bless those around us, use us in some capacity, Lord, to to pray for them, to intercede for them, Lord. God, we just thank you that we can pray in a God-given language, that you baptized us with your spirit. Master, we just praise you, Lord. Lord, I don't even know what I'm saying, but Lord, I know that you know. Lord, I pray, God, that we would pray by your Spirit, pray with your Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, to me. Lord, you are so good. Lord, you're just so good would help us to believe you would help us to understand that the process is invisible it's unseen but you're real and you hear our prayers and you will respond it may be a yes it may be a no it may be a wait so lord we wait on you but we believe you we believe you because you care about Lord, right now, we just present ourselves to you, Lord. God, this morning in this brand new year, 2024, we present ourselves to you, Lord. We offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice that your will would be done in our lives through your church and across this land. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's stand together. Father, I just pray, Lord, your blessing on your people, God. Lord, I pray that each and every message in this series, God, would would have depth that would transform us. Lord, that you would begin to work in your church. God, that it'd be you. It'd be you working in us. Lord, not us trying to perfect ourselves or, or prepare, but it'd be you working in us by your Holy Spirit. And so we yield ourselves to you, Lord. We acknowledge today that we're really not in control. You are. And so we ask for your will to be done in our lives even as it is in heaven. Father, bless your people, Lord, I pray as we go now. Just bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. amen. God bless you.